Hey! Everybody knows in the second life we all come back sooner or later. As everything from a pussy cat to a man eating alligator. Well, you may think that my story is more fiction than it's fact. But believe it or not, my mother dear decided she'd come back as a car. She's my very own guiding star. I mean, a 1928 Porter. That's my mother dear. She helps me through everything I do, and I'm so glad she's here. My mother, the car. My mother, the car. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon. The journey continues. The legend continues. The legend continues. The legend continues. Second year of Cancelled Too Soon begins right now with a new theme song that wasn't it. But it wasn't ready in time, so we're going with this because this is burned into our brains. Uh, you you were kind enough to print us out lyric sheets, which we don't need. <laughs> no, it's seared onto our consciousnesses. Uh, this week on the on uh, cancel too soon. Actually, real fast. Da, 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 da. Uh, real fast. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am also a film critic from time to time. And uh, we have a special guest. That's right. Oh, re- in fact, a returning champion. Ooh, yes. That's right. Uh, we, we, we have our very own friend, co-host of the Linoleum Knife Podcasts, film critic of great renown, better than we are in every oh, possible way, Alonzo Duralde. Bon, bon vivant. And you can hear me this time, which is exciting. That's right. The last time we had you on was to review The Muppets, and you did it sick. Yes. Like we, we were like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, yes. <laughs> Must review it's, my best. It's very important. <laughs> but yeah, but, I'm, but back, I'm, back. I'm back and full throated. Yeah. And this, and the, I want to make it clear. About something far, even more legendary than the Muppets. And this I wanna, is, this uh, is manimal level stuff. This, is, this is one of the most infamous television series of all time. It is also the oldest show we've ever done on this program. It's over 50 years old. It's also the longest show we've ever done on this mm. program. It lasted 30 episodes. So, yeah. Uh, uh, God damn you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and before Alonzo complains... You, you, you William, he, and producers he, of the show and the world in general. Alonzo volunteered to join us for this one. I did. I should have checked first how many episodes <laughs> this thing ran. But, yeah. My Mother of the Car is the, it's the heaven's gate of television. It's the, <laughs> it, it is the punchline. Until Cop Rock came around, it was mm. it was like the go-to gag of like the worst mm. of the television could be. There's If you go on... If you do any research on this show, you'll see the TV Guide called it the second worst TV show ever made behind only the Jerry Springer show. Oof. And it was declared the worst television show ever made by the O'Reilly Factor. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say this, even a broken clock is right once in a while. (laughs) And they might have gotten this one right. We're doing it live. I (laughs) learned... F it, we're doing it live. I learned about my mother, the car, uh, as a child from Mad Magazine. Mm. Mad Magazine could not leave this show alone. <laughs> every TV review, like even like d- deep into the 80s, they were still referencing My Mother the Car, which went off the air in 1966. Uh, I remember he- uh, reading an article, it was like obituaries of famous uh, sitcom characters. Mm. It's how Archie Bunker <laughs> dies. And, and uh, My Mother the Car drove off a cliff. Destitute and being a car. Let's face it. I mean, in the vast sea of television, as your show has been proving, mm. you know, mediocrities come and go. <laughs> yeah. But there are very rarely do we get sort of this level of 
what were they thinking-ness mm-hmm. that delicious, permeates throughout. A delicious punchline that never stops being funny. Yeah. Because even if you've never seen it, you hear the title and you kind of got to laugh. Yeah. Because that that's real? That's not a Saturday Night Live sketch? You're already rolling your eyes. That's an actual thing. Lovematic Grandpa was based on truth. I, I, yeah, the, this, the, the show became so notorious, it became kind of the touchstone for all satires thereafter as yeah. well. There's the Love Machine Grandpa. No, the uh, think, Disney. Uh, Disney, The Simpsons. Wow, I am out of Disney, it. Disney, The Simpsons. This is, this, I'm same. dying. I have a tumor. There's, um, al- there's also that Disney parody in uh, matinee of the isn't it like a, a grocery store cart oh, that uh, gosh, that's, yeah. uh, there you that go. has a personality or something. <laughs> there you go. But like, yeah, this this idea of like someone's voice trapped in. Uh, uh, an inanimate, an, an inanimate object, object yeah. is just such a ludicrous concept. But then to turn it into a sitcom was so absurd. And I think a lot of younger people were introduced to this in a Simpsons episode in which they did a whole bunch of Simpsons spin-offs. Right. It was an anthology episode. And one of them was the lovematic grandpa, where Grandpa Simpson, he died, but his soul got lost on the way to heaven and ended up inside the love machine in Moe's bar. And he started helping Moe find love. Right. <clears throat> That show is, of course, produced by James L. Brooks, who had his first writing credit on My Mother the <laughs> Yes. In fact, the, the first time I think I had heard of this show was when they made fun of it on the Mary Tyler Moore show, okay. uh, which was created by James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, who mm. co-created My Mother, My Mother the, the Car. Car. Yeah, th- people worked after this show. Like, I want to make this clear. This wasn't like the, the killer of well, careers yeah, you would think it was. Jerry Van Dyke went on to do yeah. a nice, long, illustrious career. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of character actors you'd recognize, like the nosy neighbor character I've seen. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot, a lot, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get into a lot of the the, the people yeah. who pop up on this show. A lot of them wind up being important <laughs> later in the culture. Some of them were appointed earlier in the culture. And that too, yeah. uh, but Including also Miss Anne Miss Southern. Anne Southern, who is, as she was billed on the program. Uh, but the show also doesn't spring out of nowhere. It is sort of part of a tradition of television that existed at that time, which was the the, the Neighbors Mustn't Know shows. Okay. Yeah. You know, where the, no, one need, no one must find out that my wife is a witch, or my horse can talk, or my uncle my uncle is a Martian, or... Or that I own a woman who grants me wishes. Exactly. Or that my girlfriend is a robot, or whatever. Like or that, that yeah. there's sea monsters in the garage. Exactly. Or, that, or that this is my favorite Martian. Yes. Something was wrong in the 60s my theory is all of these shows most of which were from the 60s or leading into the 60s the 1950s wholesome Mm. Ozzy and Harriet my three sons demographic people started to realize people have dirty secrets like Peyton Place happened and then we got my mother the car and I don't think that's a coincidence this is this is a post McCarthy show it's basically they they, you could you could substitute like car for communist or homosexual and you've got the same stuff (laughs) my mother the communist yeah and and the show is Freudian out the yin yang we're gonna discuss real real soon well we're actually discussing this very phenomenon on uh, our other podcast the B-Movies podcast mm -hmm. Uh, I work over at the New Beverly and we recently showed Sammy the Way Out Seal. Ah, yes. Uh, from, I think it's also from like 65-ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a Disney film about kids who take a seal home and they hide it in the house away from their parents. Right. The, the father's played by Robert Culp. And there's this whole subgenre of kid movies and kid TV shows going all the way up to and maybe even a little bit beyond E.T. where kids have secrets from their parents. Sure. So the, this whole notion of there is a secret hiding within... 
suburbia, but it's not a dirty secret. It's just a strange one. It, well, it's a magical secret, and when, it, when kids do it, it's a magical secret. Right. Yeah. It's this thing that makes childhood wonderful, and it exposes them to the world. And, and, we and, still, those, and those soul-dead adults would never get it. And there's, a, there's, we still get vestigial bits of that. Like, Earth to Echo was that, and it was really good, and no one cared. Stranger <laughs> Things has that element, but it made it really, really dark. Mm. Um, Plus, but that's a retro show. It is it? a retro show, but when it comes to the 1960s fantastical secret sitcoms uh, it's always plays it off as really really cute and light but then you realize that if everyone was happy none of this would be happening <laughs> and it's something really just it, kind it, of creepy it is about really discontent in post-war America yeah. uh, the, the, the title of the show I think even kind of ties into sort of a a tradition of Jewish humor that was happening at the time because you had Alan Sherman putting out records like My Son the Folk oh, Singer, you, okay. you know, mm-hmm. and so My Mother the Car implies that same sense of, you know, it's the idea of the Jewish mother who says things like, oh, my son the doctor, you know, or whatever. Oy vey, my son is gay. Yeah, yeah well, ugh. anyway. But, <laughs> but yeah, so My Mother the Car, like that cadence, that phraseology wow. meant, it signaled a certain thing to people. If you look time. at like what each of these various shows sort of represented, you look at something like the Witched, which is a show about a seemingly normal guy has an incredibly empowered wife and how he has to keep that a secret. Mm. Wow. That was a <laughs> weird thing. Keep your independent wife a secret That's from the That's kind of what that show is all about. And then you have My Mother the Car, which is all about a guy who is ostensibly happily married. He has two kids, mm. but he spends all of his time in the garage tooling around on his antique car which he calls his mom mm. and that's how and that's how much more important the car is to him than his stifling family <laughs> with I, I, a really again a very empowered wife who's actually very strong yeah. and confident and awesome, and, and he's the beta you are, male. You're in love with her. I am told <laughs> everyone who watches 30 episodes of My Mother the Car knows. <laughs> Maggie Pierce is the saving grace of this show. Well, I, it I should started, have been her show. I started to watch the show in that light that this is sort of his fantasy, his escape mm. from reality, but unfortunately, the the magic of the car does overlap with the real world. She does talk yeah, to Yeah, you can't people. get past it. It's well, obviously it a metaphor, it but it's literal. All, it can't all yeah. be in his head, right. unfortunately. And, and we, should, you know, we, we did open this with the theme song, and, and the theme song in itself sort of negates the very premise of the show, because in the very first line it says... Everyone knows no. in the second life we all come back sooner or later. So okay, so if this show is existing in a Buddhist universe <laughs> in which in which Souls reincarnation is taken yeah. for granted as something that everybody knows, then why is he keeping it a secret? Uh, my wife watched some of this show with me, and God fucking bless her. <laughs> she hated it as much as anyone would. Uh, but she, her observation was this: This is what happens when white people uh, find out about reincarnation. <laughs> kind of, yeah. When we get a hold of reincarnation, this is what we do with it. We put a mother in a car. Also, the whole concept doesn't work because Mrs. Crabtree, again, played by, played by the amazing Miss Ann Southern, Academy Award nominee Ann Southern. And a TV veteran by that point. By that point. How many Maisie films was she in? Like 10 of them? Something, or something? like that. Yeah, and then the Ann Southern show. Mm-hmm. Her character died in 1949 mm-hmm. and came back as a car that was made in 1928. Already I'm lost. Was she, was, <laughs> my, my thought is she was born in 1928. 
But that but is that also, still doesn't work. It's also no, not how no. transmigration works. You die, you come back like as a new being. I think, I think yeah. someone who's born in that I, I day. Think, yeah. I think we're meant to assume that the car was prior, was soulless prior to her uh, reincarnation. But also, what, what is her mortality now? Does she now that she is in an immortal body, ostensibly? Uh, well, can they just continue? Yeah, to where's her, her brain? Ad, ad where is her soul but, but, in the car? Th- that that this show does open up a whole Pandora's box that it never bothers so, to address yeah. because <laughs> she also because we we are occasionally given to believe that her her headlights function as eyes. Yeah. She has, but so do her rearview mirrors. Yes. She has a nervous system because if you put too much antifreeze in her, she gets drunk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a she, weird... She, she likes being... She needs gas and it like makes her feel full. Exactly. Uh, it so, gives her nicer quality things and she feels healthier. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's at what point can you replace pieces of this car and not have your mother anymore? Yeah. yeah. They, they, like, they take ripped, her into the shop a bunch of times. She was yeah. even ripped apart in one episode. They well, started, that was a dream. Uh, I guess that was a dream. That so one was a dream. They played fair with that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I, I find the, the reincarnation of the mother figure... I mean, think back to sort of the, the nuclear family unit from the 1950s and now how we've taken the mother out and replaced her with an object... Mm-hmm. And what that speaks to American consumer society in the 1960s. <laughs> the mother is no longer a, a person or a loving voice. Mm-hmm. She's, ju- she's just it's a, a voice. Possession. Yeah, it's a possession. Yeah, it's a thing you can sort of hide in the garage. Yeah, I, I think in certain parts of the world you could have done this show as My Mother the Cow and it would have been a drama, you know. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, they, they, they have an actual, they, they, they have a system of reincarnation that for them makes sense and someone mm-hmm. is bothered to think it out and <laughs> create what the rules are, whereas here they're just sort of making it up as they oh, go gosh, along. I'm picturing this really stark Beckett play now. Well, there was, everything, everything's there was brown. That, there was a documentary Morgan Spurlock did about rats. I think it was just called Rats or mm. Rat. Uh, and one of the things that they were just showing how rats are treated in different cultures and how they have an impact on the world. And one of the things we saw was that there is a temple or a church with, that is full of rats. Like just thousands and thousands of rats. Like Werner Herzog's Nosferatu rats. <laughs> and yet they're all treated as reincarnated members of the family. Mm. They're all taken very loving care of. People come to visit the rats. It's fine. Right, it's li- just a thing. They are living creatures. Yeah, they are. But like they're treated as reincarnated family members. Mm. That's that's their function okay. in that society. That and, is their purpose and, and, in the world. And they too will die at some point. But who knows if like it, you know, it'd be fascinating to find out like if two hundred years later she's living in an automotive museum yeah. somewhere and oh. can never die. <laughs> and this is another well, thing. Where, there was an episode, in fact, where uh we're wondering, you know, she's living with this family. What's the future? Is she just going to live with this family until he grows old and dies? Yeah. And she ended up falling in love with this handsome older gentleman who wanted to buy the car. Right. Yeah. Wanted to trade. And this is later in the series. So yeah. She, she almost she now, almost ditches her family for this guy. For this. Yeah. She, this she basically gets remarried. That's the idea yeah. of that episode. Exactly. But you know, this also makes me think. Well, you know, she could just go from owner to owner, and, <laughs> you know, car collector to car I'm telling collector. You, there's a reason she's going to end up with Captain Manzini at some point. <laughs> That's that her thing. It's a good point. The other thing is that it's another one of those shows, and it's a lot like Manimal, which we covered uh, recently, <laughs> uh, where there is a fantastical element. The protagonist of the show, or one of the protagonists of the show, is fantastical. She's been reincarnated. Everybody knows. You can you come back and you can be a car if you want. She's the only one. Now, granted, this isn't like a, like a mystery. Like, this isn't like an alternate reality where everyone knows that like oh my oh and my lamp is my uncle <laughs> like it's not like that but you never run into anything else and it's kind of funny because everybody else is hiding that secret exactly which is again my idea for a sitcom my where you take the suit you know whatever it is. <laughs> it's a, it's one street 
like a suburban street and every single house on that street is hiding a fantastical secret. <laughs> like someone's married a witch, someone's mother is a car, <laughs> someone's got the Loch Ness monster in their pool. <laughs> they're all hiding a secret together. It's kind of what shows like Eerie Indiana and you know other kitty uh, horror anthologies. It wasn't there some about. sitcom recently about like the one family on the block that wasn't aliens? Yes, there was. <laughs> I, I think was it was that? just called The Neighbors. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, weird bit. Uh, we need to, we, we have haven't given anyone their sort of baseline information, so we'll yes. just break that out. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the title kind of gives you the whole story. But we want to give everyone at least a little bit of history sure, so they feel like right, they've done sure. their homework or we've done our homework. David Crabtree. My Mother the Car aired on NBC from September 14th, 1965 through April 5th, 1966. It was created by Alan Burns, who you also, again, uh, uh, know from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Rhoda, he also uh, created or worked on another Cancel Too Soon show we want to get to eventually, The Duck Factory with Jim, oh, with Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. uh, he was also an Oscar nominee for writing the very good movie, A Little Romance. Ooh, I love that. I love that movie. Yeah, there you go. George Hill. Information. <laughs> Aren't you feeling good about yourselves? Uh, also created by Chris Hayward of Barney Miller, uh, Get Smart. He also developed the character of Dudley Do-Right. Both of these gentlemen worked on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. They worked on Get Smart, and they worked on the Munsters. Hmm. I found it curious that for going from My Mother the Car, which is kind of earnest, it doesn't play like a satire at all, yeah. that a lot of the people who worked on this went on to do nothing but satire. Yeah, Like Rocky and Bullwinkle and, and the Munsters, these are sort of like poking fun at a lot of stuff. Uh, we want to thank uh, one of our listeners, Canadian Keith, for donating this particular show to the podcast. In addition to our brand yeah, new... thanks, Keith. <laughs> in addition to our brand new thanks, Patreon account and t-shirt storage, we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Uh, we, we also have an Amazon wish list if you want to send us TV shows for us to review and we will get to it at some point so thank you Canadian Keith this is one of our holy grails we kept meaning to get to it and now sadly we will uh, you can <laughs> buy this DVD it's on DVD from TGG Direct um, it's somewhat reasonable it's weird though because it has no laugh track on most of the episodes yeah an odd choice and, and, and the ones that do have a laugh track it's only like occasionally it feels like, like they a couldn't few, a few moments where they had it but it not, feels not like there's some the there's some episode, episodes where yeah. the laugh track was maybe like in their archive print was sort of combined and they couldn't extricate it. Yeah. So they couldn't remove it, even though someone clearly had a mission statement. We need to take this seriously, you guys. <laughs> it's my mother the car, not my mother the funny car. <laughs> <laughs> the nitro burning funny car. Although we will get to Turbo Teen at some point. Oh my god, show. we're going to get to Turbo Teen. I can't wait. Uh, the My Mother the Car starred Jerry Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke's younger brother, as Dave Crabtree, the owner of my mother, the car, whose mother is, in fact, a car. Uh, you may remember him from Coach, Yes, Dear, The Middle. He was also another Cancel Too Soon series. I want to find Teen Angel. Mm. Weirdly enough, Jerry Van Dyke was offered the lead role on Gilligan's Island, the Gilligan role, and turned it down because it sounded stupid. <laughs> Barbara Crabtree, his wife, is played by Maggie Pierce, who actually didn't have a particularly illustrious career, even though she's the best part of the show. Uh, but you may remember her so from the she, Roger... Is yes. she like the victim of the show? Did she get all she the actually, infamy? I don't know if she got all the infamy, but she only mid one movie after this. It was The Fastest Guitar Alive with Roy Orbison. Oh, it was a right. western starring Roy Orbison. I've only heard the legends. I've never seen it. But before this, she was also in Tales of Terror, directed by Roger Corman, a little on horror anthology. Oh, nice. Uh, Gladys Crabtree, the car, was played by Miss Anne Southern. Mm -hmm. Not Anne Southern. Miss, Miss. 
Ann Southern, who had already starred in Private Secretary, The Ann Southern Show. She would later appear on The Lucy Show. And she was Oscar nominated uh, in 1987 for her performance in The Whales of August. That's right. <laughs> uh, the kids did not have a particularly illustrious career, but Cindy Crabtree was played by Cindy Eelbacher. Uh, she was on The Waltons, and she was also one of the Slumber Party attendees in Slumber Party Massacre 2. No kidding. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the good one. Yeah, uh, Randy Crabtree is a little. It's a little boy again. That, not that an illustrious career. That obnoxious little brat. He, you want to slap the redhead right? He was off played by him. Randy Whipple, and I love that they both had to have their actual first names so just they they, because they weren't good set, actors. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, they're fine, but whatever. Uh, he actually never really had any other major starring roles, but you might have noticed him in episodes of Ozzy and Harriet and Family Affair. He's signing eight by ten glossies at your local convention. And then lastly, he's not in the credits. He's not technically a lead actor, but he's in half the episode. Episodes. Uh, there's the character of Captain Manzini, mm. played by Avery Schreiber, who you may remember from uh, Galaxina. He played uh, Beanie the Bison in Animaniacs. A, a significant <laughs> number of his credits on IMDb are, quote, additional voices <laughs> he was in cartoons. He was also actor, half yeah. the team of Burns and Schreiber. Uh, and uh, if you're my age, you remember him from the 1970s Doritos commercials. There uh. <laughs> my Mother the Car, again, the basic premise is, Guy has car. Car is mob. Uh, oh, World can't know car is mob. First episode, he goes car shopping. The car begins speaking to him while he's shopping mm -hmm. for this old car that he doesn't want. Mm -hmm. And uh, since the car is his mom, even she says, he... don't pay more than $200. I'm not worth it. <laughs> but, but he buys it. Uh, he spruces it up, paints it. Uh, a 1928 Porter, it should be noted, is not a real model of car. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was looking up the Porter, and the Porter's ended... Uh, production, I think, in 1914. Yes. And I think and it's actually a coincidence that this one's even called a porter at all. It just yeah. sounded like a real version of car. There were actually cars called porters. Mm. There was never a 1928 porter, and it sure as hell didn't look like this. This was invented specifically for the show. Uh, and I believe it was created by the guy who did the Batmobile, right? Uh, George, uh, George Barris, I think? I want to say yes, but I don't know that offhand. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, that yeah. didn't come he, up he, my was, he was a famous hot rodder, and he actually made a hot rod out of a Model T, and they kind of one piece at a time uh, this car together that mm -hmm. looked looks kind of old even though it was looked actually nothing like And it's actually a pretty car. It looks kind of like speed buggy but yeah. with a basket at the uh, back. I, like, I looked it up on the way over here. You can get a uh, in-box unbuilt uh, model, plastic model of my mother the car I, on eBay for $30. Nice. It was George Barris. George there Barris. Go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good pedigree. Uh, the body was a 1924 Model T. Mm. There you go. And they just sort of took pieces and added pieces and changed it around a bit to make it look but, like what it, what although, it ended up being. You, you, there was a car that had like movable headlights that clearly wasn't meant to drive, and mm. then they had another model that could drive. The one big continuity error that drove me crazy was that the license plates didn't match on those two different models. Ah, wow, was, really? Was, well, it was still it was the, still the same that. number, but the font and the size of the plate were different. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I was, never noticed yeah, that. Two, two different license so, plates. So, for whatever reason, my mother of the car doesn't let her son tell her wife to tell his wife and kids that she, she's she, in there. She There's she no good reason for that. That but there you go. Tell. Although they do kind of try to cover their bases later in the aforementioned dream episode in which we find out what would happen if, if people knew. We're going to talk, because that is not the last episode of the series, it but it should have be. been. Because yes. it really wraps everything up in a nice little bow. We'll talk about that. We're not going to talk about all 30 episodes of My Mother in the Car in detail. We're going to cherry pick a bit. Wait, <laughs> uh, hang on. I'm sorry. I want to correct myself because otherwise you'll get all the tweets about it. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Norm Grabowski actually uh, cobbled together the 1924 Model T touring 
body with a Chevy 283 V8 and a Powerglide automatic transition with pieces from a Maxwell and a Hudson. And then once the series went to, once it became a series, George Barris created the replica porter for stunt work. Okay. okay. Now it's all well, thorough. You know, the, the, it's all the, done. The, the Do not email us. The car, the car nerds are really picky about that sort yes. of thing. So. They are. They are. Um, so the <clears throat> typical episode of My Mother the Car has one of two basic plots. Either really standard sitcom plot that didn't need to be in My Mother the Car specifically. Like, oh man, it's, it's, snooty people are coming over for dinner and if they like us, we'll get a promotion. It's shocking how many episodes there are of this series that don't involve the car in yeah. any way. Yeah. We're going to be in a TV commercial. Yeah. What the yeah. huh? And I, I love that Jerry Van Dyke is on the set of a TV commercial, and somebody walks in and trips over a footstool. That one kind of that's kinda that's kind of funny. Uh, every time Jerry Van Dyke does something shticky, uh-huh. all I see is Dick Van Dyke. You know, it's so yeah. weird. I I knew Jerry Van Dyke was in the show, but I watched like four episodes of the show. And all of a sudden, my brain went, he looks a little like Dick Van Dyke, doesn't he? <laughs> like, oh, shit, that's right. They are brothers. The other half of the show, but every other episode, uh, is about Captain Manzini, played by the great Avery Schreiber, who, yes. besides Maggie Pierce, is like the other saving grace of the show. Because he knows what show he's in. He's actually he, very funny. He broke out of the monkeys to be in this show. Basically, uh, he plays a rich car collector whose dream has always been to own a 1928 Porter. Now, he he was on his way to the car dealership when Dave Crabtree bought his mother. Mm. That's an odd <laughs> sentence to say. Yes. <laughs> but he missed it. So he runs over to Dave's house and just says, hey, I've always wanted this car. How about I give you like a ridiculous amount of money? Here's a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for a car back then. This is 1966, so that's, that's a, like ten thousand dollars. That's quite a bit of cash. I'll give you this right now. Isn't that great? Everyone's a winner and Dave won't do it. And he thinks he's playing hardball, so he keeps jacking up the price. And when he realizes that Dave is never going to sell the car, then the schemes begin. Yes. And meanwhile, his nagging wife wishes he would just get her a station wagon already. There's this weird thing, and I, I really, I had so much trouble wrapping my head around it. One of the fundamental premises of My Mother the Car is that everyone hates classic cars and wishes yes. they'd be destroyed. <laughs> they, yeah, the, they, they act like he came home with... Uh, a, a, a an like Edsel, an Edsel yeah. that spews toxic waste. Yeah, like, it has like nude ladies painted on yes. it. It's just this blight on the neighborhood. It is a beautifully restored classic car. Yes, it's this gorgeous car with a rumble seat and people treat it like it's just this horrible eyesore and how dare you, there sir? There are petitions throughout the neighborhood to get him to sell the car. Well, consider though where car culture was in the 60s. It was all very you know forward moving and very techno-centric. And, right, know, true. It didn't have fins on terror. it. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't hip enough and people weren't interested in the old stuff. Like, imagine if somebody bragged about getting a, a really nicely restored flip phone. You'd, you'd, <laughs> oh, actually, that, that's, that's, the that, of the room that's coming back, that's, isn't that's it? That's a thing, though. No, 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 no. Because it, you can't hack them the way you can smartphones. Oh, so that's why like but, your, your Anna Wintours all have flip phones. That still. is the mentality, though. And then thank God my wife is smarter than I am because she had to explain this to me. That the, I, the What we have now, which is a nostalgia-driven culture... Mm. 
50 years ago, nostalgia wasn't a thing that was such a marketable thing. You wanted new. That's new true. This, was this, this was the space age. Yeah. yeah. New was good. New technology still, was good. Old technology was the future. Was you got a five-year-old car. That's a piece of we, crap. We Kill hopeful. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think one might argue that, that modern nostalgia begins with the release of Bonnie and Clyde a couple of years later mm. when uh, suddenly all the, the, the smart young people started dressing like flappers. Yeah. Right. No, and again, like we had things that were like retro that were already dying. The Western was dying for a while until Spaghetti Westerns brought it back and made it like new and exciting and violent uh, and well, Gunsmoke was still on. But Gunsmoke yes, was still on, but you know what I mean. It was still whole, considered an older thing. Sure, the whole nostalgia culture from the seventies, which is another thing I learned from Mad Magazine. <laughs> I, I got so much of my cultural education from reading issues yes. of Mad Magazine. And Dunes, Thanks, Mad Magazine. And, and Doonesbury. <laughs> yeah, while watching teenagers using slide rules and Dave Berg shaking his fist at them. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so again, that's the basic gist of mm. My Mother the Car. The other thing that was very dominant on My Mother the Car are car puns. Woo! Uh, and, and you wrote them down. I wrote down the top ten. Evil man. The mm. top ten worst slash best <laughs> worst car puns. Best. Now, the order... Don't worry about the order. These are just the top ten. <laughs> so here we go. Eliminate them as we go. Stay out unless you want to get bumped off. And I've got just the bumper to do it. Mm. Number nine. When your father kissed me, va 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 voom, because she's a car. <laughs> Number eight. Orange juice makes my battery acid. <laughs> Number seven. Guess what? You were drugged. How'd you know? Auto suggestion. <laughs> Number six, as they used to say in old gangster movies, I should have taken her for a ride, see? Number five, some friend that Phil Durkin, I could throttle him. Get it? Throttle. They would actually say, get, get it? it? Get it? That was a thing, just in case the audience missed that subtle joke uh, that they just threw out. They, get it? They, they say cute, cute a lot on this show, too, to let you know that a joke has just mm-hmm. been told. Yeah, like, we, we know. <laughs> Look. We know. I, We're I, making the just, show. Just we know be, it's bad. Just because we didn't laugh, it doesn't mean we didn't get that you made a joke. Okay. <laughs> I just uh, dropped a humor bomb, didn't you see? I didn't get the exact line on this one, but here's my here's uh, number four. Uh, she's taking a car nap instead of a cat nap. Mm-hmm. That, that's, right. that's, that's a reach. Yeah, number three. She's got carthritis. Oof. Uh... And... Number four and number... I'm sorry, number two and number one are the same joke, but here's why they're amazing. (laughs) Number two was the last joke at the end of an episode. Number one, it's the same joke, and it was the first joke in the next episode. (laughs) So we're going to start with, oh, it'll be taken care of by Medicare. Get it? Medicare. Instead of Medicare. And number one... The first joke in the next episode, that jalopy is so old it qualifies for Medicare. Yeah. They really liked that one. Medicare was really all the rage back then. How times have changed. James L. Brooks, how could you? (laughs) (laughs) James L. Brooks actually wrote the best episode of the show, I think. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, Because it was the dream episode. 
Oh, well, yeah. That, that's the best episode? I would argue it's the best episode because I think it ties it all up in a neat little bow. It's who up wants, there. Who wants to talk about their favorite episodes of My Mother of the Car? Which ones uh, did you love? Which ones hurt you? Uh, I kind of liked Leave the Drive-In to Us. Oh, that's oh, a they weird go to the one. Bizarre episode where they go to the drive-in and it's actually one of two times that the drive-in turns up on the show and to its credit, they had the same manager both times, I yeah. think. Yeah, good continuity uh, there. The uh, But the, the, dri- the drive-in manager in this episode, I think also turned up later as the aforementioned rich guy she almost runs off with is Frank Phelan who is uh, Ernie the cab driver in It's a Wonderful Life and And so the whole joke is that they're that that mother and they're they're going out to the movies. Mother insists they go to the drive-in because uh, the the second feature has Sunny Tufts in it, and she's a big fan of Sunny Tufts. And there are like there's a million references to Sunny Tufts, who is a mostly forgotten figure of film. But yeah, you may you may if you if you know Sunny Tufts, you probably know him from Seven Year Itch or Cat Women of the Moon. Yes, or from reading the Golden Turkey Awards, in which they yeah. make I think they devote an entire chapter to the worst performance by Sunny Tufts. He was also. <laughs> He also became like a running gag on the Carson show for a long time. It's a really weird thing because she goes, it's her birthday. She wants to go see a movie. She wants to go see this movie because it's Sunny Tufts. No one else in the family wants to go. And in fact, like the weather is bad. So they're like, everyone's just like, even the guys who run the the drive-in are like, like, please go home. We want to go home. This sucks. (laughs) And And at the end... Sonny Tufts comes out. There's only two people left at the drive-in. Them and Sonny Tufts. And he just, he touches the car and she'll never wash that fender again. Yes. And it's a really weird thing because, again, Sonny Tufts is a real actor whose career had taken such a nosedive that not only was he a recurring punchline on, may I add, My Mother the Car... A show that would become the ultimate punchline, but he showed up and made and, a cameo <laughs> and and owned it. Yeah, and you kind of got to respect. Like, who could even do that now? As, well, that's. I, I think actually now we have a much more sort of ironic view of celebrity, where you'll mm-hmm. have movies like JCVD or like mm-hmm. things that are that are about the, the fact that I know my career is over. The, you the know, whole, the whole second half of David Hasselhoff's career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the the look how in on the joke I am. I think the Larry Sanders show really started the version of like celebrities playing awful versions of themselves or celebrities sort of copping to the fact that there has been. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Sonny Tufts was a pioneer in this doing it, you know, some 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to point out real quick, uh, the movie, the main feature at the drive-in that night is the legendary Monster a Go-Go, which, oh, that's right. which did come out in 1965, the oh, terrible, right. terrible Herschel Gordon Lewis film that made one of the best Mystery Science Theater episodes. Which is weird, which makes you they, wonder, they mean- was that an actual tie-in? Did they actually like get some money? From from Monster Go Go, I don't know if the Monster Go Go had any money. I think it was just the funniest title of a movie that was in in release at the time. Uh, also, one of the patrons at the drive-in. There's a lot of, like I said, a lot of people who show up in this show have, have interesting pedigrees. Was George Barrows, who plays the gorilla slash robot in Robot Monster? Robot. Wow, nice catch. <laughs> yes. I didn't Yay! I have a okay, lot so, of those before this thing is over. Trust so, me. Do, do you suppose that, like, the monster movie community, as it were, like, were kind of hip to the fact that there's this really terrible sitcom going on, and they were trying to get in on it mm. as much as they could? This like, is the age of pre-irony. I'm sure it was just okay. a, it was a they, gig. They were uh, just they just happened to be the guy who got the role. It's like the beginning of Look Well. We'll just take mm. the gig. I'll just dress up like the Fonz and mm. hope I get it. Uh, an episode I want to talk about, which is the episode that just. You know, you watch an old show, and we had a whole award about it last week on our award show of future stars. Mm. Mm. And it's just, you're watching an old show, and then all of a sudden, someone who would eventually be really famous shows up, and you're just like, wow, that's so weird to see them so early in their career, and no one knew they'd be a big deal. 
Uh, episode five of My Mother the Car has one of those, and it also has the, ah, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, because it is well, episode it's, five. It's two of those, yeah, really. But... It has burned at the stake, mm. in which uh, David Crabtree accidentally gets involved in his newlywed neighbor's lives right. and spurs them to divorce. The husband is played by a young Charles Grodin, <laughs> and his divorce lawyer is played by Lee Van Cleef, who was actually in the middle of his career resurgency at the time, because he was just doing those Sergio Leone Westerns again. Right. And, and star of The Master, a show yes. just recently. But covered. you know, he was probably yeah, really yeah. didn't get offered a lot of comedy. And so I'm yeah. sure he was just, he was happy to do it. And to his credit, he's actually really funny he in this is. episode. He is. <laughs> he, he plays the divorce lawyer, but. The only meetings they have for some reason are in a men's spa. <laughs> like that's the only place they can all talk at the same time. So he's seen on exercycles, but he's smoking the cigar and wearing the suit and even holding the briefcase. Yeah, like he's, he's wearing, on the, on the, on he like wearing a suit in the steam room at some point. Yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really rather funny actually. Yeah. And I've got to give him or, a lot of credit. I, I think he has just the towel in the steam room, but he still has the cigar in the oh, briefcase. Okay. In the I mean, yeah. here's that the way you know he's a lawyer. For as bad as the reputation of this show is, and for as as tedious as it can get, mm. it's it's not a complete shit show. I've like, actually seen no. way worse shows than yeah, that. It, ha it has a certain sort of well-made sitcom back when the mm -hmm. networks just cranked this stuff out. And as formulaic as it gets, it definitely at least sort of hits its mark every so often. Because there's enough old pros involved, they can just carry it if off. If you take out the My Mother the Car element, which, you they, still have which a, they do from time to they time. They often do. What you have is a very standard sitcom about very standard life very, things very about white 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 problems <laughs> but like you know oh, oh she, my I was the one who knew the trivia answer on this game show mm. but my wife was the one who got credit for it so now she's got to go on the game show so and I have to find a way to slip her the answers right. like a cheater and that's okay. I love, I love they never they never have any in that one episode where they're sneaking answers. They never have any ethical qualms about cheating on a game. Nor show. there and nor is there they, any comeuppance. The yeah. The, and the only is, drama is how are we going to how are we going to be able to cheat on this? The, well, the, 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 the would have been, this was a perfect shot for a Philip Van Doren guest spot, but they didn't go there unfortunately. <laughs> Googling uh, kids. Oh god. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we have we have listeners who are still in high school. They have no idea yeah. who, who we, any of these figures. We should talk about the many about. schemes of Captain Manzini because they mm. start off pretty simple, and I give them credit because they grow in craziness as time and, goes and on. And I think if I have a, a favorite episode, which I kind of don't on this show, <laughs> sort of sitting through this, we are witnessing the whiteness, as they say. And uh, there was one episode where Captain Manzini. Faked a terminal illness. That's one of my oh, favorites, that is too. a great one. Yeah. And to sort of fit, play on uh, David Crabtree's sympathies and get the car into his Yeah, life. like, oh, he's dying today, mm -hmm. and he'd die happy if he just owned the car. So why don't you sign it over to him for today, mm -hmm. and then that'd be fine. And then he signs it, and then Manzini jumps out of bed like Grandpa Joe and Willy Wonka, <laughs> and he starts <laughs> dancing with his fake nurse, and, like, it's really just like, yeah. that's never going to hold up in court. That, that was that was the episode For Whom the Horn Honks. Yes. Uh, the guy who plays the doctor in that episode pops up a few times. He's the art instructor in the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. I think he, he's, like, on two or three of them. Is a guy named Del Close. Who, oh, who made those records. That and he's also kind of a pioneer of improv comedy. Like if yeah. you if you read um, Amy Poehler's book, she talks about studying with Del Close and how he really sort of pioneered the whole "don't think" premise and of okay. just of like of, of being fearless on stage. So he's actually a super important figure in the history of comedy. Wow. 
On my mother, the I, car. I, uh, I have a, a Del Close track where uh, it was the intro to a record where he tried to teach you how to speak the language of hip. Oh, like, funny. Like, <laughs> hipster languages. And uh, he had like... A, in, in studio, quote, a real hipster who could teach you how to speak like a beatnik. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing about that episode, I don't know if y'all noticed in the closing credits, who the director of photography was. On the, oh, uh, on, the, the our, on the Christmas episode? No, 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 on For Whom the Horn Honks. No. The, the, doc, the, the fake doctor episode. Stanley Cortez. How do I know that name? The Magnificent Amberson. Whoa! <laughs> One of the great following. Hollywood cinematographers Someone of all time. That's where wow. the gigs were in 1965, yeah, so. you know? Now, I want to talk about the Christmas episode. So the Christmas episode is called Many Happy No Returns. Yes. And in the episode, they agree that they're not going to buy each other gifts for Christmas. That never, that's never works out. They're going to yes. do the gift of the Magi thing. It, it's going to be fine. In real life or on sitcoms or anywhere. If and, you say, I don't want a gift, we know what you're really saying. Yep. <laughs> We're not stupid. We've been there. We've seen sitcoms. We know and, how it and works. Right. That's, that's an episode where Mother barely figures into the book. Yeah. Nothing yeah. at all to do with it, really. Uh, she just gives her son some advice. Yeah. And... She, the, she sets the drama in motion. Yeah. But at the same time, they're also taking an art class. And they both, he does like this kind of abstract painting, and she does this abstract sculpture. sculpture and they're both really good. <laughs> but like, they're supposed to be terrible. Everyone keeps saying, this is monstrosity. And, my, and again, my wife, who is an accomplished artist, she's been published in books and things, is looking at him like, I'd be proud of that. Those are quite good. His, well, his, his painting is very Pollock-esque, and I think they're sort of making fun of the modern I, art I was going to say, both, both works are non-representational, and uh, 1960s television did not have room in its heart for that. It's still funny, though. Like, it's an odd thing to have. I it, think that was it, my point. It hates modern art the same way it thinks like belly dancing is super erotic. <laughs> okay, we need to talk about the belly dancing episode yes. because seriously Absorba the Greek. Absorba. Okay, so this was one of the last episodes. I yes, think. it was. Like the second to last, uh, and, I think. And, and, and angry na- an ang- angry man who lives Third next to, to a Fourth Greek last. cabaret slash restaurant slash bar. Yeah. Uh, he keeps trying to get them shut keep, down. Keeps trying to get them shut, shut down because they are unseemly. Mm-hmm. Those awful Greeks. Because there's belly dancing. Because there's belly dancing and it's inappropriate. And also there's like uh, some racism clearly going through this. Oh, it's, there's a weird Greek uh, sentiment there where it's like, oh, a Greek woman with a mustache, who would have heard of such a thing? Actually, Wink. that's not no. so uncommon. Yeah, like, uh, so, yeah, thanks, you, my you, you, you know in the first five minutes that Jerry Van Dyke is going to belly dance by the time this episode yeah, is over. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he gets in drag three times, I think, throughout the course of the series. Jerry Van Dyke, I want to say, Jerry Van Dyke is, is, is perfectly funny. Like he's he's okay. He's, he's certainly think, he's certainly game. He's no Dick Van Dyke, but he's he's okay for yeah, like he, sitcoms and whatever. His hand is he sells. And but what you notice is because this is very much Jerry Van Dyke's show. Hmm. Uh, he got bored real fast, and then they <laughs> come up with any possible excuse to get him to play dress up. Yes, yeah, yeah. he even has an, he's even his own evil twin in, in one, one episode. episode yeah. yeah, like he plays like a beatnik with his own raven. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, that's it's like it's like the producers, but like with Jerry Van Dyke, <laughs> which is not as good as you'd think. Uh, for 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 TV fans, the the the, the busybody lady on Absorber the Greek was one Maudie Prickett who played a lot of TV busybodies. You've seen her on Hazel and the Andy <laughs> Griffith Show. She's always like the disapproving town prude. No, there's and of course it turns out. She's a, a crackerjack belly dancer by yes. the end of that. There's, there's, I have to bring up one episode yeah. that drove me crazy in that episode, though. They bring out the Greek belly dancer. Everything's Greek. We're, we're making fun of Greeks. Greek, Greek, Greek. And they name her Minerva. 
which is the Roman name <laughs> of Athena. <laughs> and as, as somebody who studied Latin and you know and, and good catch. A, a little bit of antiquity that, that just drove me up the wall. There's two really messed up things on the show. One is the basic premise. Which is, again, <laughs> like it sounds kind of harmless, but again, he's like hanging out with his mom and he's saying things like, My wife will never know what goes on between us, mother. <laughs> and he calls her mother. Like anyone who call, any grown man who calls his mother mother, he's sort of like, hmm. It's Mike Pence. Yeah, it is. It's Mike, <laughs> Mike Pence and Norman Bates. Those are the two people who've done that. Don't you do know, that. Don't think Trey Parker and Matt Stone aren't already thinking of a reboot of My Mother the Car with Mike Pence. <laughs> That's not bad. I would pay to see that, but because they did, that's my bush. That I know was their, their thing. Uh, but uh, but then they they have this weird unwholesome relationship where after a while, when he does something wrong, he just bends over her wheel well and she spanks him using her car door. Yeah. Like assume the position, yeah. spank. Spank. Yes, spank. Mother. Oh, it's, God. Yeah, there's a lot of Ooh, weird going on. Not but so hard. Then, there, then, of course, there's the episode where he foils an assassination plot. I want to. We'll talk a, about that for right now. That's a really fun one, actually. Well, it is because Richard Keel's in it, so okay. that's a plus. Richard Keel, okay, who you will know from Ega. He was yes. Ega. You, you, may also, from Ega. you may also remember him from The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, right. where he played the beloved James Bond villain Jaws. He was also in the Twilight Zone episode To Serve Man as the really tall alien. He's a really tall actor. Like, that was his thing. You need yes. someone really tall, like you got Richard Keel. One of the Adam Sandler films, too. But I the, think. the weird thing he was, the weird thing is with Richard Keel is that he usually, because he was so strikingly physical and he could play a tough guy so easily, he often played dolts. Mm. Here, he's playing the smart guy. Right. <laughs> he's, I, actually, he's, he's actually great actually, at it. He actually has lines and he's I, yeah, actually I, a decent Again, actor, like yeah. Lee Van Cleef, I'm sure he welcomed the opportunity after, you know, yeah. human duplicators, where his big line is, pretty dolly, pretty clothes. <laughs> so, Jerry Van Dyke, like, takes his wife, drops her off at, like, a train station. I think she's going to see her mom. And while they're there, they happen to overhear an assassination plot of her visiting no, foreign the car, the car does. The car does. Apologies. So, he can't, you know, go because, to the police Because, of course, the assassins have no idea that yeah. she's listening. Yeah. So, he has to play dress-up multiple times to it's, try to tell the president it, about it, the assassination It's like Marsha Brady trying to get into Davy Jones's hotel room. <laughs> yeah. There's all these wacky so mishaps yeah, he, of sneaking in. This is one of the ones where he dresses in dress. Yes, French maid costume. Yeah. But there's also this one point where Richard Keel fights my mother the car and loses. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty great. It's like so, that scene from Christine in the alleyway, but it has a happier ending. <laughs> and, and this is also the one episode where somebody finally says, your mother, the car. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the other really messed up one I really want to talk about is Shine On, Shine On, Honeymoon. Oh, yeah. Because obviously David Crabtree has a nosy slash annoying mother-in-law. And it's my understanding from watching oh, a lot geez. of sitcoms that those are all mother-in-laws, right? Like, it wasn't until I got married and I had an okay relationship with my mother-in-law that I realized, oh, that happens? <laughs> Holy crap, what? Yeah, this is 1960s television. All mother-in-laws are like the worst heritons. And what? this may be one of the worst mother-in-laws I've ever encountered so the, in any TV. <laughs> the first time we see We're the mother-in-law, she's yeah. just she schemes with Captain Manzini to help Barbara sell the car. Right. Which is, it's it's schemy, but it's because normal scheming. Bar- it's Barbara, perfectly... Throughout the entire series, Barbara never warms to the car. Like, occasionally yeah. she might say, ah, oh, that one's not so bad. But she, yeah. the next episode, she wants to sell it again. Yeah, she's very eager. The episode where we find out that Dave and Barbara have never had their honeymoon, something always came up. We're going to go on our honeymoon. They tried this twice in the first season, first yes. and only season. The first time they try this, they're just going to, like, the mother-in-law's going to babysit them, but the mother-in-law read that their horoscope said a lot of bad things are going to happen today. So, 
Over the course of this episode, the mother-in-law schemes to get rid of the dog, puts the dog in danger so that the family will have to stop and find it. Right. Then gets rid of one of the kids, so one of the kids is missing in the neighborhood. When that doesn't work, she gets the other kid missing. When that doesn't work, she hires a guy to do a home invasion <laughs> and at a gunpoint. Gun <laughs> and then, when she, when all else fails, she runs away so that they have to find her because she's lost in Los Angeles. And when he finds her, she accuses David of rape in front of a police officer, and he's arrested. <sighs> Yeah. And in the end, they say, screw it, and they go to a Lawrence Welk festival. Lawrence Welk comes up twice in this show. I do, just, I'm going to point these out along the way. The dog catcher in the Shine on Shine <laughs> is Alvy Moore from Green Acres. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well done, well done. Nicely captured, uh, nicely caught. Uh, I, I wonder when that began. The, the evil mother-in-law. Like, what was the, the sort of genesis ah. of that sort I would, of character? I'd be very curious about where exactly that started. Yeah, I mean, know. does it go back to, like, Shakespeare with sort of, like, scheming, <laughs> scheming mothers and queens I mean, and stuff? Or I, we've is all it, seen it in stuff like, you know, Jane Austen wrote about that. You know, you marry into a certain family, the family doesn't like you. But that, I've that seen that. That type of character as a comic foil in sort of the modern sitcom, I'm, th- there's got to be a flashpoint for that type of character. Mm, there must be. Good question. And, uh, I... Watching this episode, I was wondering, she's so terrible and does all these, like, really... The scheme gets more and more outlandish as the episode goes on. How much of My Mother the Car was meant to be prodding at sort of sitcom conventions, and how much was it just sort of... Oh, I, I think it's them. just indulging. I think it's entirely yeah, genuine. Yeah. I don't see any like don't self-awareness think, there's here There's no all. commentary here. It's I just, think we the, want there, to see it because one, it's so absurd. A is A, a Whitney. Scene, uh, <laughs> there's one scene, however, where Barbara Crabtree turned to the camera and gave the audience a wink, and I thought everything was coming together. And I, even t- I, have a, I have a screen grab of that moment. They posted it to Facebook. I, and I posted it on Facebook. The moment when she actually turned to the camera well, and winked. There's there a she is. It's <laughs> Barbara yeah. oh, well, okay, There's a moment the camera, in the show. Every once in a while, they'll break the rules of the show real hard. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's one moment where... My mother of the car talks to Dave in front of other people and no one else hears her. Mm. Like, they just break that rule. Or all of a sudden, like, she can like, actually do she'll it. She'll, like, mutter to herself, like, here we go again, where mm. she's clearly in earshot. But yeah, yeah, but even that, she, like, literally says something to him and he reacts and no one else hears it, which is weird. But then there's a moment where, because so they also have a dog. A dog named Blue. Moon. Moon, moon sorry, Moon. 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 I was thinking of uh, uh, Team America. Have my dog go Blue! <laughs> they have a dog named Moon. I don't know why it's called Moon. They never talk about it. The dog is... Fine, the dog's usually just sort of a prop. It's an ugly-ass dog. It's just a mutt. But, like, the dog, <laughs> at one point, they joke that the dog is like, oh, we should have gotten a cat. And then the dog meows. Like, they actually take <laughs> audio from it to kick at. It's just a weird a moment. absurdist moment, yeah, yeah. It's not absurdist in a show where the mother is a car. Maybe the cat <laughs> came back as the dog. You ever think about that? <laughs> did you, and now, some of the character actors in this aren't necessarily people who are notable, but did you notice that they, they do a lot of recycling on this they show? They used to do yeah, that a lot. Yeah. It's really weird. So there's uh, Captain Manzini well, as, hires as somebody, people to break, uh, to steal the car. Yes. And they have a wonderful femme fatale. Barbara played, Bain. Barbara Bain. Mission Impossible. 
Deep Space 1999. And then she comes back later as... as a different oh, from by the way, yes. remember the fake home invasion? Later on, there's an the actual, actual home invasion. Yes. Right. In fact, that's the last episode that aired. I think it's it was really the, weird. The, and like, 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 like the guy who's a judge in one episode is a client in the other one. and you oh, know, just, They just figured like, you'd never notice. Yeah. I, I grew up watching Star Trek, so I saw that all the time. Oh, At least they're under makeup, though. Like Jeffrey Combs played different aliens on Star Trek. This is just Barbara Bain in a different hat. You always recognize Jeffrey Combs. I also, on character I want to give a shout out to the periodically we get the neighbor over the fence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Willick. Uh, he's in <laughs> he's in the gangs all here. The uh, the Carmen Miranda movie. But he was um, in the, the Robert Aldrich. Yes, he was uh, in Baby, Baby Jane movies, and yeah. Sweet Charlotte. And he also did. A, a, if you've never seen it, uh, go look on YouTube for a TV commercial for a product called the Great American Soup. It was. <laughs> It was like it was at that point the most expensive commercial ever made for a product that flopped, but it starred Dave Willock and Ann Miller, and it's wow. this elaborate Busby Berkeley-esque production number written by Stan Freeberg. It is one of the wow. great TV commercials ever made. Oh, um, what was it? For? What was it for? Again? The, great the Great American Soup. Soup. Okay, we're totally putting that oh on, the, on the website. <laughs> I, can I, I can post it while we're on the episode. Here, That's fine. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, the Great American Soup. Holy crap. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about how crazy some of the crazier Captain Manzini schemes. Yeah, with a shrink ray. I love a shrink ray. There's a shrink ray. <laughs> so that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Shrink shrink ray. If you grew up watching cartoons in the era I grew up watching yes. them, shrinking was a common trope. Mm-hmm. Shrinking would happen in every single show. Uh, when, in uh, the seventies, in the on the on the Croft Super Super Show, we had Doctor Shrinker, uh, who actually yeah. had a ray and shrank kids down, and they couldn't uh, escape. It's the equivalent of oh, I wrote my mom to say I actually run the store. Can we pretend I run the store for a day? Because that's how this works. There was yeah. always a shrinking episode. There was always a camping episode. There was I made the, the same thing twin twice. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah, we have an amnesia episode and an evil twin episode. Yeah. The In the first season, season yeah. they were running through these. Uh, Pretty brutal. Well, because they I were... They were tropes, but they weren't cliche yet. Yeah, this show might have been the one that pushed them over the edge. <laughs> That's true. This might have. This, yeah. this, this could be the final nail. Yeah. Captain Manzini has a man from Uncle connection, where he like talks to Blofeld with his cat. Oh right. And Blofeld gives him a drug that will make David Crabtree really susceptible to suggestion and do anything he wants. Mm. Um, and, but the weird thing, weird, and yet, what are you doing? Sorry, that's that's the soup. Stop it. We'll post it online. Uh, but the weird thing about it, though, is that he also gets Odd Job, not literally the actor, but yes. a character obviously playing a, a version of Odd Job. Uh, and every time someone sees this actor who is playing his role with dignity mm-hmm. and grace people say things like and again it's just like a, a Chinese guy in a suit mm-hmm. they say things like what's that <laughs> or who is this creature and I'm like what in the f- Fuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> holy God. It was a more innocent time. No, it was not. It was no, a more horrifying time. I'm being super ironic. I know you um, are. They, they, yeah, 007 obviously was hot, hot, hot in 65, 66. Yeah. There's even an episode called Gold Porter. Oh. Uh, which, and, and again. And multiple, multiple references throughout. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but speaking of uh, of sitcom cliches, that's the episode where they do the duck soup mirror gag. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Because there are two of them and they're with, in the with thing. With Jerry yeah. Van Dyke and, yeah. and uh, Captain Manzini. Yeah. That's only ever worked in duck soup. 
Pretty much, although the, the Lucille, Lucille Ball Lucille, comes yeah. close. Lucille Ball did okay, fine. Uh, what are we? What are we? What are uh, we there, there's about? an episode called uh, "I'd Rather Do It Myself, Mother," um, which is the one where uh, <laughs> Dave tries to help around the house and, of course, blows it all. Uh, blows it all, and then they also get the new maid who is too efficient and ruins everyone's life because she does all the work. Problems you want to have, exactly. Oh uh, my God! The woman playing the new maid, by the way, was a, was a regular on The Flying Nun. She was also a nun in Trouble with Angels. She was in Family Plot, and she's in Manhattan murder mystery. Wow, nice. Um, they bring back the game show on that episode. Yes. Uh, the title of the episode is a reference to another classic commercial, the Anison ad, where the woman with the headache snaps, Mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> uh, and then weirdly enough, this was the thing I noticed, this, this show was produced by MGM United Artists. Mm. Um these, there's a cutaway to the studio audience in the game show uh, uh, in this episode, and I swear to God, I can't prove this, but I would. Uh, uh, someone can back <laughs> me up on this. That is footage that was cut out of it's. It's always fair weather. Ah, the Stanley Don and Gene Kelly movie because there's a scene with a TV studio audience in that, that would movie. not surprise me. And at when all. they did the cutaway, I'm like, I know that audience. They're <laughs> <not> there. <laughs> That's how you know you might have watched too many movies. Yeah, that, that's, that's the Midnight with Madeline audience. <laughs> They're watching Dolores Gray. Episode 23, my son, the criminal, the mailman, overhears Dave talking to his oh, mom. God. And he assumes Dave has murdered his mother. And then the police show up. Every criminal organization sounds like, well, if your mother didn't die, then if yeah. you didn't kill your mother, then you must owe a lot of back well, taxes. Yeah, and, and the and insurance this? company is bringing up, like, did not the insurance company know how she died the first time? Oh, like, why yeah, are they it, suddenly suspecting it, it made me wonder where her body actually is. And, and they could have exhumed yeah. her. Yes. That would have been a delightful and, episode and, and, of my mother. Can they do that sort of like Vulcan fall torpen where they take Spock's soul out of one body and put it back in the body? And yes, I'm sure they the can do the yeah. Vulcan fall torpen. The fall torpen. Oh, apologies. Hey, you recognized a, a single no, I know, I know. second I, unit you, shot. I'm not pointing at anybody. You give me no uh, grief for remembering a word from Star Trek 3. The My Son, the Criminal episode, by the way, one of those police people is played by James B. Sicking, who was later oh, no a regular on Hill Street Blues and yeah. is in one of my favorite uh, underrated 80s comedies, Up the Creek. There you <laughs> go. Um, you know, do you, can you tell me anything about the actor who played the, like, the friendly sheriff slash uh, pit stop shack owner in the episode where they got waylaid on the oh, way to the okay. Okay. So the, the, second, the which, second time they try to go take their honeymoon they're dropping right. their kids off at camp, camp. which is and actually then, this is actually an episode I kind of liked I think it just worked as a story yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's okay in and of itself you the, can't I, get there from here yeah, yeah. The, the idea is they stop somewhere uh, to like get gas and get directions and they drop off the kids uh, so that they can go on their honeymoon later. But then it turns out that Dave's driver's license has expired, and the guy who owns the gas station is also the town sheriff, and he won't let them leave because Dave isn't allowed to drive. And his wife and, can't drive stick. Yeah. Which raises the and, question, why doesn't my mother, the car, drive for her? Yeah, there's, there's a um, scene where they try to make her drive, and I think, oh, well... He'll just sort of whisper to his mother, just like, drive. Just, just and, make it look and, like she knows what she's doing. And the wife doing. will think she knows how to drive stick and all as well. And that I, They don't do that for I've, some reason. I've, I've tricked my wife. Isn't that great? This And it's weird because you have a living car. Having a living car would solve the drama of the episode. Yeah. But they go out of their way not to include her. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know. The, the, the contrivances paint them into corners and then they never find an interesting way out of them for the most part. Even when the contrivance is the way out of them, which is hilarious. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. The guy who plays the sheriff, since you ask, oh. uh, plays Homer's dad in the best years of our lives. Wow. Okay. Um, right. And the okay. camp counselor is another is the third appearance by Del Close. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Nicely done, everybody. <laughs> uh, now the last couple episodes, the show doesn't end on like obviously a cliffhanger or even a big episode. <laughs> the third to last episode. That, that's the, the one. That's the one that makes it all make sense, and it was written by James L. Brooks. It is called the Blabbermouth. And in he, this uh, episode, Jerry Van Dyke goes downstairs because he forgot to tell goodnight to his mother because mm-hmm. he's a young Proust who needs a hug before he can fall asleep. <laughs> Even though he's and exhausted, he's exhausted, but he goes downstairs in his pajamas to say goodnight. She says goodnight back. It turns out Barbara is standing right behind him, hears it, and the secret's out. Yeah, right. They have to tell her everything. So at first, only she is going to know. But then it gets the blurred kid, out, so then the only the kids know. And then, of course, the kids start telling everybody. everybody. And it starts off... And, it, and, and then they bring the car into the kitchen, and they ask, how did you get the car into the kitchen? She says, well... And then she's interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> because the car is, like, literally in the kitchen teaching her recipes. Yes. And it's really kind of weird, because at, this, at one point, you're just kind of thinking, like, finally... Like, this is actually going to be a better show now. (laughs) It's like the second season of Bosom Buddies, where they don't have to be in drag anymore. Like, okay, we're going to abandon the premise and just go with these actual funny characters. But they don't do that. We don't need it. Okay, so the the kids are idiots, and they tell everyone in town. The the news reporters show up and try to ask my mother the car's questions. When that doesn't work, they pull pieces off of her as souvenirs. Captain Manzini wants to take her on a speaking tour. Yeah, (laughs) and here's the damn thing. She hates Captain Manzini. Everyone hates Captain Manzini. But now that he knows she's a person... They're actually, like, talking, and he's just flattering her into going with him. Like, listen... Your son's nice and all. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you a star. I'm going to take such good care of you. I can afford to take good care of you. I can get you the finest mechanics. And she's like, yeah, actually, why was I fighting this? This is great. And then when Dave tries to stop her, the episode almost ends with her, and she's going to kill her son. Yeah. And she's running over him, and it's the most Freudian thing you've ever heard. Except this... for everything else on this show. <laughs> but, like, but like the guy who is challenging him, I'm going to steal your mother away. No, you're not. I'm going to fight you tooth and nail. It's my mother, and I'm going to keep her in the garage. And, and then, then I'll blind myself. And now the mother actually gets to talk to this guy. She realizes she likes him more than she likes her son. And now she's murdering her son. And then he wakes up from his dream. Now... First off, that explains a lot. <laughs> that explains a lot about why he does what he does and who he is. Would it be he great is. if that was the last episode and it should have been the whole series had been a dream? Also, it's been fun. But here's the best part: it has an Invaders from Mars ending, where at the end of it, he goes down. He realizes, oh wait, I did forget to say goodnight to my mother, and he goes down and they have the exact same conversation. And then Barbara's walking into the garage. Credits. Mm. Yeah, that's the end of the show. If you ever see all thirty episodes of my mother the car, don't. <laughs> but if you ever do this, save Blabbermouth for, for last. last. It actually makes sense that way. Yes. My mother the car. God damn it. Am I forgetting anything? Oh, we didn't talk about Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, indeed not. Uh, okay, well, Sammy Davis Jr. wasn't on the show. No, Just sadly. To be clear. But uh, Sammy Davis Jr. 
perhaps Although he, is... too, is a sitcom cliche at this point. That's well, true. Well, Sammy Davis Jr., he knew what he was doing. He no, had no, no, a great I, sense I, of totally. humor, and uh, he, he probably heard the premise of the show and thought, that's the dumbest thing ever. Of course I'll sing the theme song. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think he just treated the theme song like any sort of show tune. But no, yeah. we, didn't, I, we didn't really introduce this. Sammy Davis Jr. did a cover of the theme song to My Mother, The Car, yes. on his show, which was also on NBC at the same time, the Sammy Davis Jr. So, show. corporate synergy. <laughs> and I want to point something out here. The Sammy Davis Jr. song didn't last as long as My Mother, The Car. The show, you mean? Sammy, yeah. Like, oh. that that show did not last, it last, what was it, 13 or 14 episodes? Like, Sammy Davis Jr. is one of the great entertainers. Yes. Not even of the 20th century. You could go through all, all time and space, and he'd at least crack the top 50. He's one of the most incredible entertainers we've ever had in any medium. He's a delight. And he even made My Mother the Car's theme song pretty good. Yes. It's actually, it's actually pretty fun to listen to. And he did a cover for it on his show, and it killed his show and not my mother's car. <laughs> like, that's, the, that's the damn comedy of it. I want to say, when I, when I say that he's a sitcom cliche, I mean, like, there was a period there where like he would just show up on things. Yeah, where, In like, fact, I remember when... Rose knots on Scooby-Doo. When, when Roseanne signed on to do her sitcom, mm-hmm. she had two stipulations, which was that, one, there will never be an episode where... Uh, one of the kids gets laryngitis and I have to go on in the talent show at the last minute. <laughs> and two, there will never be an episode where Sammy Davis Jr.'s car breaks down in the neighborhood and he pops by. <laughs> that happened a lot. Yes. Well, how Famous are, people just car break down. How are we going to get out of this? <laughs> I can help kids. Wow, Van Helsing. You know <laughs> the Sammy Davis Jr. show lasted 14 episodes. Again, my mother the car lasted 30 and weird, well, weirdly enough, I had it was a kid. I had a TV, a book that was called "The Worst TV Shows Ever," uh, and both my mother, the car, and the Sammy Davis Jr. Show were oh, in what it. What was wrong with the Sammy Davis Jr. Show? They, they, well, they, I think the show, the book also acknowledges that Sammy Davis Jr. is great, but that the show was just like apparently there was it, it was sort of nitpicked to death from like yeah. network mm. notes, and it was the '60s, so well, there was still they were still very touchy well, about like black entertainers on television, like you know yeah, they couldn't yeah, touch yeah. white people on television. Oh well, we all know the Kim Novak story. With that too, yeah, I don't know so. if anyone else does. Sammy Davis Jr. Tell was the Kim Novak story. Oh, Sammy Davis Jr. was having an affair with Kim Novak from of Vertigo fame, uh, and of and course he's for him. and he is black <laughs> and she is white. And I believe it was Columbia Pictures had her contract at the time, and the head of Columbia Pictures had his friend, a gangster, kidnap Sammy Davis Jr. and tell him if you don't marry someone else, and I think it was forty eight hours, if you don't marry a black person in forty eight hours, we are going to poke out your other eye. Yeah. Wow. So he did. Yes. And apparently someone had to stop him from committing suicide that night. Yes. Sammy Davis Jr. had a rough go of it. Yes. <laughs> but a genius nonetheless. A genius nonetheless. Like, like it's amazing the stuff he put up with. Mm. Yes. To, just to sing for you. Mm. And every time he did it was glorious. Mm. Yes. And so, wow. E- even when it was the theme song to My, to my Mother the Car. car. He, yeah. he sold it. He, totally. even, like, he even added a joke at the end about buying a different car instead, making yes. it so much better. And he does the second verse, which uh, okay. I had no idea it existed. The second verse. because I'm s- not sure if it does. The <laughs> second <laughs> verse. Like, I think it may only exist for this for one this moment. Could be. He adds more Freudian stick to it, but here's yeah. the second verse in My Mother the Car that the show never sings. Well, everything my daddy never was. Well, now she wants me to be. Hold it right there. <laughs> Go on. She's taking her place as the fifth member of my small family. And she'll blow her radiator 
when things ain't going right. Mm -hmm. And whenever she gets too lonely, we just all gotta spend the night with my car. And then it goes on from yeah. there. Lot going on in that yes. song. The word blow is a little uh, little telling, perhaps. <laughs> I'm reminded of Tom Lehrer's uh, peppy theme song to Oedipus Rex. <laughs> he loved his mother like no other. His daughter was his sister and his son was his brother. Am I forgetting anything? What haven't we talked about uh, with my mother, the car? I'm, I'm coming through my notes here. I just, I, it, uh, this is another old commercial thing, but uh, Mr. Whipple, the legendary Mr. Whipple of the, of the Charmin paper towel, or uh, oh, toilet paper ads, uh, plays the... Jenkins, the PR man, in uh, Over the Hill to the Junkyard. Nice. Um... Uh, yeah, Frank Phelan. Oh, yeah, this was the thing. Frank Phelan turns up again. He's the he's the driving manager the first time. He's the millionaire the second time. In the millionaire episode, they go back to the drive-in, and I kept writing down. I wrote down: Is Frank Phelan going to show up twice as the manager and also as the millionaire? Yeah, the idea is my mother. The car actually wants to be bought by this really rich guy who promises he'll take care of her and use her as like the cornerstone of his new enterprise. He's willing to trade a, a limousine plus chauffeur. Oh, right, so, right, right, right. So, so Dave actually is. You know, begrudgingly agrees to do this because it's actually what his mother wants. And then once mother actually goes off with this guy, she finds out that he actually plans to cut her in half and put her at like the entryway to like a new uh, land development right. area he's going to have. It's like, oh, we've got, you know. And he's got a much younger you gotta, girlfriend. You got to walk through the 1920s in order to get him. And, and would that kill her? Or, would, or, would she, or, or is it like Lotso Huggin Bear at the end of Toy Story Three, <laughs> where he's alive on the front of just a garbage truck, and that's it? Yeah, I mean, if she yeah. gets if she gets like squished into a cube, is her consciousness still there? Oh, yeah. you know? Raises questions that we uh, never answer. Another thing I want to point out, just in general for this show, uh, it had quite a few female writers for the 1960s. I did actually. Yeah, that was you know like I, I remember reading books about the Mary Tyler Moore Show and how like that show had really uh, broken a lot of ground in terms of hiring a lot of women to be on its writing staff. Mm -hmm. But just looking at the credits for this show, there were several well, women writing for this show. And I want to give them a lot of credit. Barbara Crabtree is a great character. Mm. She puts up with a lot of crap, but she never does it because she is a, a wallflower. She's actually very much well, Dave's partner and actually is smarter than him in most situations, I, and he acknowledges it. I, I was going to bring this up earlier, but we kind of skimmed over the premise. This is yet another one of an endless string of sitcoms where we have kind of a, a, a doofy, dishonest not necessarily attractive or otherwise compromised husband who has a, an infinitely more attractive, more capable, more intelligent and wife. endlessly patient wife. Yeah. 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 And, uh, she puts up with a lot. And the whole premise of the show is that he's always puttering around the garage. He's not part of the family. Mm -hmm. He is actively rejecting the family unit. It's a tragedy, actually. Yeah, and it's how, how the, we brought we kind of scraped against that. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it, it, it depressed is. me after a while to realize how much time this idiot doofus was spending time with his car. And you know what? I'm going to throw it out how, there. How much this poor woman had to suffer to stay with this. And man. I realize only now that we really just put that into words mm. just how much this actually reminds me of my own family because my dad. <laughs> Dad actually restored British motorcycles in our garage. That was like his hobby, and when he retired, that was his that was his personal job. Uh, he would restore Norton Commandos and Triumphs from like the fifties and sixties. Which one of those motorcycles was your grandmother? Uh, that's a really good question. We probably <laughs> sold it after he died. But it was it was actually it was really a point of contention. My mother would just like you'd be out there puttering, and she didn't really have anything to contribute. She'd keep him company for a bit, but he was distracted so often when he was at home mm. that it actually this the show actually kind of 
kind of hit me a little close to home because it is a metaphor for an actual plight of someone who is home but not present. Yeah. Someone who is married to you but is so wrapped up in a previous relationship, in this case with his mother, for God's well, sake, and, and again, that he can never really be there for you. And she puts up with it with so much dignity and so much humor mm-hmm. that you have to respect her while also pitying her for being with this horrible husband. <laughs> I, I, and again, this, this ties into the whole sort of Jewish humor motif, which again, these characters couldn't be waspier. The crab trees <laughs> could not be waspier. But like the notion of the guy who, even when married to like this Shiksa goddess, is still completely enthralled to his mother and spent devoting all of his time and energy to her. Like you want to see Philip Roth's My Mother the Car. <laughs> <you know? laughs> This, oh. yeah, that, that weird sort of borscht belt humor was kind of leaking into the American mainstream. Yeah, no, believe me, because that's... Thanks a, Sid, Sid Caesar, mostly. Well, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, from radio onward, like, you could put the waspiest performers on camera, but if Jews were writing this stuff, like, <laughs> that was actually a joke on 30 Rock where, like, Tim Conway plays this old legendary TV guy who shows up and Kenneth the Page is thrilled and he goes, and this is the writer's room, and he goes, oh, we used to call this the Jew room. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I, 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 and, and interestingly, I think, I think that a a lot of queer sensibility has seeped into mainstream culture via sure. comedy writers the way that Jewish sensibility seeped into white bread America in the 1950s and 60s. And we're better off for it, I think. I think so. Okay. <laughs> However we can get it in there. It might, it might take <laughs> bloody forever. It's but subversive, but it works. Okay, it's I, a long game. Normally we so ask ourselves... My mother's a car was subversive. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> normally we ask ourselves, no. where would this show have gone if it had lasted 100 episodes? They, but here's the thing. They used up all the cliches. I don't no. I like that's like what cliched 1960s sitcom episodes did they not get to um, yet? That's what I want to know. How do you know. get mother to Hawaii? Oh, that's a good one. That's a, yeah. that's a real, real good one. Um, we did road trip already. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, more celebrities. More you know celebrities. Just get a lot oh, more celebrities. Oh, sure. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah, yeah. They, they didn't do a fake haunting, but they did. They did. Oh, the, they did. the Captain Manzini episode. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't run away from home. Mm-hmm. They could have maybe done they that. They did that in the amnesia episode. Though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Which my mother of the car got amnesia. And yes. they had to get her into another accident to to, to bounce her head back into place. Oh, Amnesia is actually a serious condition. Don't do that. Uh, it. it- uh, and uh, this is actually when I tried to look up sort of the genesis of the sitcom blow to the head causing mm. amnesia, and mm. I couldn't find I couldn't find that one either. Oh. I think it, I think it might have been. It's, the just, it's, it's just a convenient plot thing. Actually, you know, they, they you know they do the evil twin of Dave episode, but they never do Barbara. Oh, they never do Barbara, but I was like, the car. I, the car. Yeah. I kept thinking that Pet Manzini would make a fake porter and put it in the garage. He did. And, does he? Yeah, the, when they had the, uh, when Barbara Brain showed up the first time, they were going to replace it. That's right. Ooh, but, the car that doesn't talk back. It was, yeah. it was not another talking car. Now, in, That's, it should have been another talking car. In the 1997 car. straight to TV version of The Love Bug. Uh, they figure out how Herbie came to be alive, and it turns out she, he was like absorbed some blood of the inventor and somehow that like magically you're made. making this up I'm not this Ugh. is wow real. I did not know about this one and, <laughs> dark and Dean Jones came back for that one so it's all canon <laughs> <laughs> but they, they is actually, Lindsay Lohan film canon yes it is Yo, they're, all canon. Yeah, they're all canon oh that's awesome would they but need to bring the, back Horace the hate bug? Yeah, that, he was in, great. In this one, they, they got some blood. They figured out how to make a, a, a living oh, the Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, the 1977. No, 1997. Okay. No, no, no. That's real. And I they know put that some yeah. blood in a new model of it, a Volkswagen Type 1, and they made Horace the hate bug. <laughs> 
and it was, it was yeah. Bruce Campbell was the owner of, of Herbie in that one. That's a, a fun movie. Was this for Disney Channel? Yeah, Disney Channel. Oh, yeah. It was released on. It was released on DVD or VHS like when it came out, but now Whoa. it's like and now it's like forgotten. Well, that's why it's like that's like I the, have it. It's like, it. That's like that middle parent trap, you yeah, know, yeah. that they did for cable. We'll have to remembers. do that on the or, uh, cancel or too the, soon monthly movie. Or the, uh, the, Parent trap was that the, the no 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 sorry the Freaky Friday rather Freaky Friday Freaky mm-hmm. Friday there's a there's a middle Freaky Friday after the in between the two theatrical ones mm-hmm. and there were at least life. there was at least two Parent Trap TV movies right there uh, was the one where they had to get Haley Mills yeah. Yeah. with grown up Haley Mills those yeah. are from like the, the mid mid eighties yeah I, think. And I remember seeing those when they came out good stuff was was my mother the car. Canceled too soon. Lord, no. Not soon enough. How did they get 30 episodes out of this? You know what I wanted? I wanted six. I wanted six (laughs) episodes, and I'm good. And it would would have retained its notoriety. Everything we've been talking about, apart from just plot details, would have perfectly read. We didn't need a spy episode with Richard Keel to really understand and get into the skin of my mother the car. This is a parody of that kind of sitcom. If it had been on in the 70s in Saturday Night Live mm. with, like, Jim Belushi or John Belushi. Yeah. John Belushi. I wasn't getting confused. John Belushi or the owns Jim the car. Belushi. Yeah, like, know. but John Belushi just owns that car, all right? And, like, and then Dan Aykroyd's trying to buy it or something like that. And then they make the Saturday Night Live movie out of that. And then, surprisingly, that's really successful. And then they make a TV show. <laughs> then I'm okay. Because there's that ironic detachment where we're making fun of this. Yeah. This is so sincere, and there are times when it's perfectly harmless, and yeah. I didn't mind watching it. It was okay. Sure. I laughed a couple of times. It wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's, but it's not good. It's the, well, the, stupid. The premise is stupid. The premise is stupid, and the premise is stupid. But <laughs> when they were able to, in like maybe three episodes, play into Dave's relationship with his mother and the fact that she's reappeared in his life. And how she has to give advice. The episode where she wants to grant wishes for his children, which is one we haven't mentioned yet. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and she becomes he, their genie. She becomes their genie. They rub the car, and first of all, I hate the boy. He's just, I just want to smack that little bastard. He's a terrible person. <laughs> He's a terrible little boy. The little girl, not so bad. She's fine. But... Uh, they get into. I like that. I like that. Whenever we see her toys, they're not little girl toys. She gets like a doll once, but she's also got like this the spy thing. Well, she got a spy thing, and she's got like this monster from like Jason and the Argonauts that shoots fire. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, he has a fire breathing. It toy. actually shoots fire and <laughs> destroys a television. Yeah. And I'm like, she's actually kind of a badass. Like I kind of liked her. But uh, the argument that Dave and the car get into in that episode is how he's going to raise his children his way. A conversation that a grown son might have with his mother, who is trying to interfere with his parenting. Yeah, it it's one of the few times he. It's one of the few yeah. times he ever stands up to her. Like she's always right, and she yeah, he always yeah, sort yeah. of buckles under to her wishes. Like when, when they actually have that, like maybe not realistic, but at least an, an honest conversation about something that people would actually talk about. The show kind of makes. Well, not sense. Well, there's a, there, look, <laughs> well, there's a works. metaphor here. There's an actual yeah. metaphor here, and the and the show fights tooth and nail against it whenever it can. Yeah. When it's actually embracing, just and here's what this represents. It's okay. Yeah. It's not great. It's a little stupid, but at least it, it has a reason to exist. Yeah. Uh, if you are a, if you are a resident of, of Los Angeles or just sort of a fan of what things look like. 
Uh, if you're a fan of what things look like in general, it, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, well, I like yeah, that yeah. that looks like uh, that. Uh, but, you know, the, the history of Southern California. Okay, put it that yes. way. Um, every so often, they leave the Warner Brothers back lot, mm-hmm. and well, once or twice. they actually drive on real streets. Like yeah. at the opening of the Amnesia episode, they are driving down Sunset, like heading toward Fairfax. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I know exactly where they are because those buildings aren't that different now. Yeah. You know, no, it's, it's kind of cool. Actually. And every yeah. so often, there are some really elaborate gags that pay off. Like I think in the Manzini Grand Prix episode. There's Which this we ra- didn't talk about. It. It's actually one of the better episodes because yeah. if they actually do like wacky racers with the with my mother the car oh, and, and she's speed, competing and a against walker. a speedwalker because yeah. she can only go nine miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, actually yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, that that actually works pretty well. But there's also this whole there's this running thing in the, in the setup where every day Dave's in traffic, Manzini pulls up. Uh, makes off for the car. Dave says no, mm-hmm. and so you see like Monday, and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and, and he's then... on slower and slower vehicles as we go. Yeah. Exactly, he's yeah. in a car. He's in a lesser car. He's on a bike. Right. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll race you for the car. Yeah. You know. And then you get Thursday, and like no one's on the street. It just says a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, well okay. played, my An mother. The actual car. joke. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 one other thing I wanted to bring up before, right. before we put this thing to. Into its grave, into its garage, um, into its auto graveyard. There, there are only a few shots of the Crabtree bedroom, but I did notice that they own a pair of Keens. Uh, oh, that's I right, they that. do. I yeah. About that. yeah, good call. The, 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 and, two ever, and two and beds. And two beds. Well, two beds. I mean, they don't want to have sex. <laughs> Would you? I, I, where do those children come? I don't. From? I don't know where when the law changed about having one foot on the floor. Oh. I know it ha- happened during the course of I Love Lucy because I saw Lucy and Desi in bed together eventually. There was a moment there when but, that yeah. was okay. Yeah. yeah, although you couldn't say the word pregnant on that show. Oh, I no. think obviously, obviously, the kids uh, came back and this was their second life, and they were originally a cat and a man eating alligator. <laughs> Pussycat and amazing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, they, were, they were a motor scooter and a, a hand truck. <laughs> <laughs> the boy had the personality of a motor truck. <laughs> oh, my mother, the car. Uh, Alonzo, how do you feel having gone through this with us? <laughs> I, you know, this is one, as with so many of the accomplishments in life, the doing is nightmarish, but the joy of having done it yeah. will last me forever. And now you can tell anyone, yeah, I've seen all 30 episodes of my mother, the car. Exactly. I can answer all of your questions. Yeah, we, this is, this was my Vietnam. <laughs> I love they, this show. Uh, if they ever issue this on Blu-ray, they need to put that as the their full We will do commentary <laughs> tracks. This, this was my Vietnam. This is a lot of the um, I love Cancel Too Soon because who else, who else is going to do this? Indeed. <laughs> this is great. Uh, Cancel Too Soon, everybody. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, some updates. You may have noticed that this episode uh, is coming with a new logo. Uh, we have a new uh, email address. We were using the same email address as our old podcast. And now this has its own email address, canceled too soon at gmail.com. Canceled has one L, by the way. That's the American spelling. Yeah, we committed to that. And now everyone starts to use the British spelling for some reason. I don't know why. Stop it. It seemed like it was <laughs> smart at the time. One L and canceled. One L and canceled. Uh, but we have a lot of other cool stuff going on. Uh, on Tee Public, we have uh, t shirts and mugs that you can get ready made. Uh, with our new logo on it, and we're going to be adding new designs uh, as time goes by. We're going to be adding images of me and Whitney as Mad Balls for some reason. 
Because that, that was my idea. He just thought that would be fun. Because I have the most wonderful ideas. But we're going to add uh, uh, some some memes people like uh, from the show over time. Like people like Dracula Space Holes. We'll have a Dracula Space Hole design. <laughs> we're going to have a Rot Realty design uh, from our Doubt episode about Ka- Catherine, Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl and a lawyer dog. <laughs> yeah, that's a show I would like to see. So we're going to put that together over time. Um, and again, you can contribute to us on our Amazon wish list. But more importantly, what we really would like you to do is to join us on Patreon. Yay. Because we're on Patreon now. Isn't that great? Uh, So Patreon is uh, a system where you can send us money uh, on a monthly basis, and for various amounts of money, you get different rewards back. And we're going to tell you what that is. More like prizes, really. Prizes, yes. But good prizes. We got good stuff. You you subscribe for a couple bucks a month. We have three different tiers. Uh, The $5 level is the Puchinski level. For the Puchinski level, for $5 a month, you get every episode of Cancelled Too Soon, where every normal well, episode... Even, even if you don't subscribe, you get every episode of Cancelled Too Soon. Yeah, every episode where we review a television series that lasts one season or less, that will always be free. You can always get that. But if you subscribe to the Puchinski tier, you will also get the Cancelled Too Soon monthly movie, where we review a TV movie or miniseries or sometimes a special, a one-off TV event from our weird history. <laughs> uh, and we're going to review the hell out of it, and it's only for Patreon subscribers. We're going to start off... Uh, in the very near future, I think next week we'll have it available. Uh, our first review will be of the so-called worst TV movie ever made, Karate Dog. Directed by Bob Clark, starring Chevy Chase and John Voight. And of course, Simon was... Rex and Jamie Presley. Ja- and Jamie Presley. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think this was the last thing Bob Clark ever did before his accident. That was the, so, that was the last movie sweet he completed. Christmas. And it yeah. is, I've seen it, and it is atrocious, and you want to hear that episode. <laughs> the other thing that you're going to be able to get for the $5 Puchinski tier is that you will be able to vote in our monthly polls. Every month, we're going to have a poll and you can get to help us pick an episode that we'll record for next month. The most recent one we had on Twitter, it's going to be LA Confidential, The Pilot, which didn't go anywhere but starred Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, We're going to be reviewing that next week. But... The next poll will only be for Patreon subscribers, and you can get that even at the lowest level. The second tier, for $10 a month, a.k.a. The, the, the Blackjack Savage. <laughs> which sounds like a drink, really. Doesn't the it? Sounds Savage. great. Uh, all of those awards, all of those uh, prizes you already have, uh, you're going to get a set of Cancel Too Soon pins and buttons, which aren't ready yet, but we'll have those soon. Uh, we will be presenting exclusive videos via Patreon yeah. of us reviewing various movies and other things as we run through them. Yeah. Uh, and we will also be giving you updated installments as they are created of what we are starting to call the Cancelled Too Soon Guidebook. <laughs> which, much like Alonzo's wonderful tome, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. Which is available right now. Which is available it right now. It is. It's gorgeous and really, really fun. So and it's every Christmas movie you ever need to know about. Alonzo, how do they get it? Uh, well, right now, go to Amazon.com. There you go. I'll be selling them on, on Linoleum Knife later in the year. But uh... but uh, ours is just, we're just getting started. We're figuring out the formatting right now. And it's going to be a guide to every show that we do on this show uh, with notes trivia, top ten lists, our own commentary on each one. Uh, And as we start putting that together, we will send that out to you. Um, Because we're just sort of sussing out uh, the the formatting and sort mm -hmm. of the language of this. It'll be a work in progress. It's a work in progress, and we don't know what we're going to keep and what we're going to scrap, so uh, a lot of that might be exclusive. Yeah. We might have a chapter that we delete eventually if we ever actually get that published. And then the last tier, the last Patreon tier, for $20 a month, you get all the stuff we just talked about. And what's the third tier called? The 1928 Porter. (laughs) (laughs) For the 1928 Porter, Mm -hmm. you're going to get all that cool stuff. 
you're gonna get one official Cancel Too Soon t-shirt or mug of your choice. You can use it for the first stuff we have if you wanna hold off and get Rot Realty or Dracula Space Hole or any other designs you've up there later. <laughs> that's fine, but you get one. Uh, you're also gonna get a Google Hangout with me and Whitney. Every three months, we're gonna do a Google Hangout where you can actually talk to us, not just send in your questions. We can have a long conversation. We can just hang out, talk about shows. You can ask us any question you want. You can uh, berate us for saying vinyl wasn't good, like whatever you wanna do. <laughs> it's $20 a month, you get that too. You're also gonna be entered into the Cancelled Too Soon Club, which, much like Linoleum Knife's Selector Club, yes. uh, we're going but to send you pop culture prizes uh, uh, four times a year, and nice. they will be curated and, and by me and Whitney. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of random stuff that yeah. and we'll, we'll movies, DVDs, yeah. maybe a show that we're going to be reviewing on on the program, and then you can actually follow along. Books, CDs, maybe early on if I have the time and the wherewithal, I can make you a mixtape, like an actual. Cassette. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be a really cool, and I like that. Yeah. So it'll be very particular, just for people who enter into the. 1928 Porter tier for $20 a month. There's more information about it all on Patreon.com. If you go to the Cancel Too Soon page, there's also a link on our YouTube page. There's a link on our Twitter page. There's a link on our Facebook page. And lastly, the one other thing that we are excited to announce, sort of, uh, is we have a goal on our Patreon. It's not a certain amount of money made, although, of course, we'd like to make some. If we get, ever, throughout all of those tiers, 250 subscribers on Patreon... Mm. We'll review Firefly. Uh, oh! I know. It was it was a promise we made. We'd never do this. We'd never do it, but we'll do it if we make well, we'll, a we'll grotesque amount of money. Well, we'll sell out, we sell out for you, our fans. And, and Not what? only will we do Firefly, but we will make special subscriber-only available episodes. One episode for every episode of Firefly. We will do them episode by episode. Those episodes might not all be two hours each or anything like mm -hmm. that, but we'll do one episode per episode of Firefly and the movie, mm -hmm. and those will, of course, only be available to people on Patreon. Nice. Now, <laughs> I, I was not asked to chime in here, but I'm just going to say, as somebody who's been doing a Patreon myself for a little over a year, it makes a giant difference. And, uh, you know, we we do these shows because we love to do these shows, and we started these shows never thinking we were going to make any money off of them, but given the way of the world and the Uber economy and the the slow death of freelance journalism. Mm -hmm. This is how we make it into the world, people. And we appreciate that you guys love the show and that you, you tune in regularly. But if you can actually up that level of support and, uh, you know, interact more with the show and wear the buttons and the shirts and yeah, talk about really it helpful. and all that stuff. And that, tell your friends. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it just makes an enormous difference. Because and, 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 and it's super appreciated. Like, you have no idea we how, much, so much, how much we it gets us out of bed every day knowing that there are people who are devoted at that level and committed to that level to and, keep this thing and rolling. And Cancel Too Soon very particularly is not an easy show to put together because yeah okay when we do a pilot it's pretty straightforward. Mm. We watched 30, 30 episodes of My Mother the Car. That is time spent <laughs> Not making money. That is not working. That is not having quality time with your family, even if you're watching it with them. My uh, my son saw a few episodes of My Mother the Car. Traumatized and, and for life. I'm prepared to pay for his therapy <laughs> later in life. My daddy made me watch these terrible shows we, when I was two. We, we occasionally uh, go bi-weekly here, but we try to do this every week. And that sometimes means watching an entire season of television every single week. That, again, is for you guys and it is for history I actually love being able to do this show and curate this these chapters in well, television history that no one talks about for the most part yeah my mother the car is notorious but a lot of the stuff we do is forgotten completely and, and, and when 
when you subscribe, you're kind of making tangible something that had previously been intangible. And consider yeah. you, you wear a Cancel Too Soon t-shirt and you go out into the public and you see the person who points to your shirt and says, hey, it's a, a, a moment there. It's a shared yeah. moment, a shared sort of cultural understanding between the two of you. Mm-hmm. It is your cult handshake. Yeah. And if we see you wearing that t-shirt... We will tongue kiss you on the street. That's true. <laughs> um, Whitney's in charge of that, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll at least like, tug you. Yeah, like, you wear the shirt and people will be like, hey, what is that? And you yeah. get to tell them about this cool thing and you get to share it with them and then they get to discover it and it'll be a lot of fun and it's something you can do together and then you get married and you have all these canceled too soon kids <laughs> and they're going to be named after various shows. Oh, here's my son, my mother, the car. We don't love him very much, but you know, it's <laughs> his son. His son is their son is named my mother. The car. It's a really, 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 tell, really unpopular. Tell kid. you what, if if you meet because of canceled too soon, yes, and you fall in love and you get married and you have a child together, mm-hmm. that child will get a free lifetime subscription. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, but only the child. You can't listen the, to it. N- no, they don't. They don't. They can listen to it if they like. I'm going to say this right now. The subscription belongs to that child. If you meet over canceled too soon and you get married, Whitney will marry you. Uh, that's true. I'm an ordained minister. I have that capability. <laughs> right. I will marry you. Uh, okay, so again, that's at Patreon. Canceled too soon. The link is on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on uh, the Libsyn page for, for this episode. Uh, you can go to tpublic.com and look up canceled too soon again with one L. You'll have our t-shirts there. You can also put it on mugs, iPhone cases, all kinds of fun stuff. I thought you said uh, on bugs for a second. Bugs! Delicious <laughs> bugs! We'll paint it on a scarab. Delicious <laughs> bugs for everybody. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Alonzo Duralde, tell them about all the wonderful things you do all the time. Oh, golly. Well, uh, I my reviews run at The Wrap, T-H-E-W-R-A-P.com. Uh, I uh, review movies and recap television shows frequently with bibs at uh, What the Flick, which is is uh, youtube.com slash what the flick show on, on the Young Turks Network. Um, and of course, I do my own podcast, Linoleum Knife, with my husband Dave White, and we're at linoleum knife.com. And our Patreon page is at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. If you want to get extra shows like LKTV for you television folks, Linoleum Knife and Fork, and so on. Yeah, and it's that's one of my favorite shows like ever. And I don't, I'm not just saying that because Alonzo's here, they are adorbs <laughs> together. They're really, really fun. It's just, it's nice to hang out with them even when you can't actually be in the same room well and not for anyone would I sit have sat through 30 episodes of this show <laughs> that's true not just only so that, you know not so only we, that but I, after I feel, I feel like it's it's like that song Timothy where we all lost in the cave <laughs> together and Tim is now gone and we've all committed some sort of grievous sin together we have, we've shared this crucible I don't think I've you, heard you this can, song uh, I thought oh. Timothy was a duck <laughs> oh well maybe so <laughs> Uh, t- Timothy, uh, it's, it's, they a, get lost a, it's a, Rupert Holmes. Yeah, they, they get lost in a cave. They eat their friend. Um, it's considered one of the worst pop songs of all time. Uh, I, I have it on CD. Uh, you not only did my mother the car with us, you bore the brunt of the Star Wars holiday special. With us. <laughs> That's, so, true. That's true. That was God, not easy. God, do y'all owe me? So we have this weird. <laughs> you don't have to do this relationship. <laughs> With, <laughs> with the two of us. So we want to thank you for being so willing and so yeah. masochistic. And you're welcome to come on. And next time, why don't you come on for a better show? Hey, it's a deal. <laughs> so, how about, how about this? You get to pick the show next Yeah, time. okay. Fair. You kind of picked the Muppets. I kind of picked, picked this Marvel's Marvel's and the Muppets. But yeah, okay, I, next time, I, pick a good one. I will pick a non-Punisher next time. There I you go. Pick That's one, great. Pick one you fondly remember. And hey, want to read that'd be fun, yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, we have actually a lot of cool guests who are lined up for the near future. Uh, I don't want to release their names yet because they'll jinx it and we haven't recorded any of them yet. 
But um, we have a lot of really exciting episodes that we're working on right this second, and they're going to be a lot of fun. Shows that you've asked for, shows that you've never heard of. Um, seriously, I, I cannot wait for the rest of this year. I can't wait to start like doing these Google Hangouts with all of you on Twitter. I can't wait to share to start wearing the shirts around. Uh, I'm really, really excited for Cancel Too Soon, The Legend Continues. Uh, and again, you can email us at cancel the cancel ca- cancel too soon at gmail.com. You can follow us at cancelcast. I'm Matt Lambabiani. Yeah. At A Duraldi, yeah. A D U R A L D. At D Leland White uh, is, of course, the co host of Linoleum Knife, who made us an anniversary cake because we've been true. doing this for one year and it was delicious. Mm. De- we we, we owe, have a picture up on we Twitter. Owe, we owe Dave White a guest spot on this show. He will come on the he show. He actually at some is. Point. We've been yeah. talking about this for a while. Mm. When are you doing that? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Someday soon. That's the plan. Um, so that's it. Uh, we'll be back next time with LA Confidential. And if you join us on Patreon uh, in about a week, we will have the first Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, Karate Dog. You're going to want to listen to it because it hurt us. And we know how much you love that. So uh, uh, that's a wrap, everybody. We'll see you next season. <laughs>